This is Beyond Busy. I'm Graham Alcott. I'm the author of a number of books, including the global bestseller, How to Be a Productivity Ninja. And I'm the founder of Think Productive. We work with some of the world's leading companies to help people get stuff done, but more importantly, to help people to make space for what matters. Beyond Busy is where I explore the often messy truths and contradictory relationships around topics like work-life balance, happiness and success, and explore with interesting people what makes them tick. In short, this is where we ask the bigger questions about work. My guest today is Jackie Weaver. She is the Chief Executive of the Cheshire Association of Local Councils, but probably best known for the online attention she received when the Hanforth Parish Council meeting went viral earlier on this year. And in this episode, we talk about becoming an overnight internet sensation. We shed a bit more light on local council meetings in the UK and how they're supposed to work. And we also talk about just generally the importance of meetings and how we can all improve our online meetings. This is Jackie Weaver. I'm with Jackie Weaver. Good afternoon. Hello there. Um, It's lovely to have you on. And I know you've been very much in demand over the the last few weeks. Um, So we're going to talk about the the reason for that uh, being in demand, which is this clip that has gone viral around the internet and turned you into... Uh, somewhat of a of a star, maybe a reluctant star. Um, so let's start with um, when did you first find out that it had gone viral? Because the meeting was the meeting that the famous meeting was back in December, and then it yeah, didn't go viral until the February. So when did you first find out that something was happening? Uh, literally that day, or that rather that night, um, yeah. somebody sent. I mean, don't forget by now, Handforth is but a bit of memory. Uh, we've had Christmas in between. Yeah, um, works back to well, back to COVID normal, um, and onwards and upwards. So, I've never really been much into IT. I mean, I use IT for work. I mean, everybody has to, don't they? But I, I have a Twitter account. I think it might have had five followers or something. I never use it. Uh, never did use it to be to be honest um and then somebody sent me something that said i was trending number three in the country <laughs> which is just a foreign language it's it means abs well meant absolutely nothing to me at all and i was even less worried when i was told but you know a little bit later that i was trending number one because again <laughs> it meant nothing um until the following day, this was on the evening of the Thursday, um, and my phone had um, was full of messages. Um, my um, inbox was, was, I mean, I'm someone who likes to keep tight control over email. <laughs> and now I'd got like 350 unanswered emails. Yeah. Um, and um, a very nice young reporter knocking on the door. <laughs> And with three more standing reporter? behind him. Um, who was first was on the it, scene? It was an independent. Oh, right. Um, and I say with, with three more behind him, just queued up waiting. Um, so incredibly weird, because I'm, I'm still trying to think at this point, what's, what have I missed? <laughs> what is the fuss? Um, and uh, as the day wore on, I, I began to... <laughs> 
they filled me in basically on why it was why I was uh, famous in that moment. Yeah, and I guess the meeting sort of owes its fame to there was a guy called is it Sam who put it all together. He kind of edited the highlights of the meeting together from yes. the Zoom recording. Well, so well, they're all publicly available. There is is that how yeah. parish councils work. Yeah, well, not not all. Um, I mean, the, the, there's no specific protocol for what you do with the Zoom recording if you record your meetings. Um, but a lot of them do, in fact, um, publish them as soon as they've been uh, recorded. And I imagine it had been on there for a little... Well, it clearly it had been on there for some time. Yeah. And, um, yes, it was two um, politics students, um, very young politics students down right. in London, okay. Um, Ali being interested in the politics aspect um, and his um, his friend um, actually put together the um, the video um, you saw. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, it captured the imagination. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of, of characters in there and there's uh, Julie's iPad is very oh, famous. Oh, quite, at yes. And, and, and so on and so forth. Um, what do you think it was that, that really captured people's attention about it? I mean, you must have had the questions from all the journalists as they've asked you about it. What's been the sort of what's been the main theme of that that you think people were so fascinated with? My take on it um, is that I, I think there's something inherent in us that makes us want to see fairness. Mm. I think if you think about all the injustices you've seen, you know, somebody cutting in front of you at traffic. We're not talking about huge world changing things here. Um, You know, where you didn't get the pay rise at work, where somebody was rude and they got away with it. All those kind of things. And we put up with them all the time. And in that moment, I think what you saw was justice. I think that's Mm. that's my take on it. Either that or I've just become the nation's favourite grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) i think the other thing that that comes across as a sort of subtext or underlying theme is you've got um these these two guys two or three guys who have who are being very bullying and domineering and and you know at one point they're kind of shouting at you read the standing orders and so on Mm. and you kept very calm in that moment and i wonder if there's a part of the appeal of it is is something to do with, you know, number one, a very kind of British calm uh, response in the face of this, you know, very stressful situation. But also whether there's a, you know, it feel, feels to me like there's an awful lot of people and particularly women out there who've experienced that kind of bullying behaviour. And you're almost like an icon for, for those people. So do you feel like a, a kind of anti-bullying... Uh, icon or maybe a feminist icon I, it, it, I, I mean i would have said um three months ago absolutely not um, <laughs> but, but because um, I, I i really thought we'd come an awful lot further than we seem to have done um i mean certainly i live in um a very rural part of the country um cheshire shropshire border most of the people I engage with treat me with um, respect, um, you know, like 99.9%. I mean, you know, possibly not played out at handforth, but there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so my experience um, is that, you know, I, I, I feel like an equal. Um, I've never, well, I say I never challenged it. It's been many, many years since I've challenged it. And my assumption was that's the same for everybody. But what I got 
was a shed load of emails and messages through Twitter, etc., saying that's not other people's experience. And that just as you said, other women have experienced the same kind of hostility that you saw at Handforth in the workplace. And I thought we were done with that. Mm. Yeah. Um, Why aren't we? Well, why? Yeah, I mean, why aren't we? And it, yeah, it does feel like I don't know whether there's certain industries, whether the culture in certain industries tolerates that kind of, you know, hectoring, bullying, shouting kind of behavior and culture more than in, you know, other parts of the world. I, I don't know, but it does, it does feel like, you know, maybe one of the maybe one of the results of your video going viral is that people are talking about the about behavior Ooh. right Ooh. a bit more and um, talking about some of the things that you know perhaps we need to draw a line on and say the, you know these are just not acceptable uh, behaviors in work and Ooh. and you know this is how we respect versus this is how we don't respect and i mean if if you look at the strides that have been made through um you know hr that kind of thing you would again have thought that these things were totally eradicated um, just through the system of, um, you know, looking after staff at work. Yeah. Clearly not. There's probably an awful lot of people listening to this right now who have bad bosses who are saying, oh, no, <laughs> definitely, there's still plenty more to do. Um, the, I suppose the, the big question that everybody has been asking you is the famous one of, did you have the authority? Um I wanted to just drill into that. So it felt to me like there was there was no ambiguity about whether you had the moral authority, right? You were being shouted at, you were being treated in this kind of way. And, you know, somebody had to take a stand there and say, right, we're going to throw these people uh, out of the Zoom call and just, you know, calm down and, and so on. That just felt very clear, like there's a moral authority there. But, like, technically you weren't a counsellor, right? So I'd love to just... It, just explain that a bit more so you were brought in because the history of this was the meeting hadn't happened in quite a while and then you were brought in to kind of help some of the other councillors to run the meeting is that right (laughs) not exactly um a council meeting can be called in one of three ways the clerk can call a meeting the chairman can call a meeting and if neither of those do those in a prescribed um, period of time then two councillors can call for a meeting The chairman had unilaterally suspended the clerk and made himself clerk. Right. Okay. So the two councillors went through the usual process of writing to him in his capacity as clerk, writing to him in his capacity as chairman, and then, of course, he would not call the meeting. So, so you're supposed to write to two people, but he made himself the clerk so that they, he was the only person yeah. that you could write to. But due process, you know, I mean, <laughs> it, it, there's nothing in the legislation that says yeah. that they have to be two separate people. So, you know, they followed. I mean, and and again, for me, I feel very strongly about following the rules should give you a reward. Yeah. And breaking them should bring a punishment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so these two councillors had gone through the the, the proper procedure to to call a meeting. Um, And of course, they have none of the infrastructure in place to call a meeting. The um, chairman stroke clerk has... um, taking control of the um the zoom password and everything like that right yeah um he's certainly not going to clerk the meeting for them 
Um, so the organisation that I work for, the Cheshire Association of Local Councils, we provide training, advice, support, guidance, whatever a council needs across the whole of Cheshire. Yeah. And it's not unusual for a council to need um, admin support on an evening. Clark might be poorly, Clark might be on holiday, uh, Clark might have been suspended by the chairman three months ago. Um, and that was why I was there, simply to facilitate the meeting. Uh, if you actually watch the rest of the video, you'll see that you, you hear virtually nothing from me the rest of the meeting. Yeah. It's not what I'm there yeah. for. Yeah. I'm there to enable them to have uh, their meeting. But the question of did I have the authority to remove him from the meeting comes up all the time. Um, in my opinion, yes. I'm, I'm not talking about the moral authority. When you listen to the chairman, um, he, he first of all refers to standing orders. Standing orders only apply when the council is sitting. He tells us twice that the council hasn't started sitting yet. And, and you're so saying that, to him, can we actually start the meeting? Yeah, yeah, right, absolutely. Actually, so that these things can apply. Yeah. He, he's been given every opportunity to have the post treated with respect, because the chairman is a, is a role that demands respect, and to carry on with the, with the meeting. Hmm but is determined to make this announcement that the meeting is unlawful. Yeah. So at that point, I think we're going for the Public Bodies Admissions to Meeting Act 1966. <laughs> and we're saying, you are disruptive, leave the meeting. Hmm. And that is in this, because I did actually read the standing orders uh, before this. Yeah. And there is they a make... section there about the, the conduct of councillors, right? And so yeah, if someone absolutely. is acting in a way that, that is offensive, then um, they should be expelled. Yeah. However, the standing orders don't make any reference to what you do if the person disrupting the meeting is actually the chairman. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Although does that not apply because he's also a councillor, so he's a member as well? <laughs> No, because, oh gosh, are we really discussing standing orders? Um, <laughs> I, I want to I get to the bottom of, did you have the authority? Yeah. This is the, the key question. But, it, but standing orders won't help you <laughs> because the meeting hadn't been started. Right, okay. So that's, yeah. so that's really the answer to the question is, yeah. is um, you, you were in a Zoom chat with a bunch of people rather than in the middle yeah. of a, a formal meeting. Yeah, and a little bit later, um, as in a moment or two later, the councillors themselves formally ratify mm. that they don't want those people back in the meeting. Yeah. So really, it was it was it was them, not you, yeah. that made the ultimate decision for for the chairman to be yeah. ejected. Because I say, to, I mean, they're in the waiting room, and I say, you know, yeah. do you want me to invite them back in? And they didn't even didn't even take a breath before they said no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, was that was that the was that the first and last time you were involved in that capacity with Hanforth Council, or had you had you supported meetings with them before? Oh no, I've I've known Hanforth for nine years. Right. Okay. So you knew you knew all of those those characters beforehand, and you knew some of the backstory of yeah. what you were walking into. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so the last few that, weeks. That, sorry, that's why I went rather than asking a member of staff to go. <laughs> yeah. fair enough um so the last few weeks you've been in the spotlight um i just a quick search on youtube and i found you on um good morning britain with piers morgan and on bbc breakfast and channel four and just just all over uh the media doing various different interviews and stuff 
Um, how have you found that? So presumably that was just all a huge um, whirlwind that just blew up that, that evening when you found out that you were trending on Twitter. Just how's it been over the last few weeks? Um, I, I kind of feel I'm supposed to say um, it's been um, uh, surreal or um, confusing or frightening or um, out of control or, or whatever. Um, but it hasn't really felt like that. <laughs> I mean, it, it has just felt like a, a real opportunity um, mm. that, that has to be just grabbed. Yeah. I mean, and... we've, we've been trying to get um, local councils noticed in, in some meaningful way all of my career in local government, yeah. and that's 25 years. So somebody comes along and knocks on your door and says to you, tell me about local councils. What's all this yeah. about? What, what do you say? Oh, no, mm. sorry, I'm busy. No. And I guess your job within that is to to shine the spotlight on the importance of of government at its most local levels and arguably sometimes at its least glamorous levels too, right? So when people think of local councils and parish councils, they think of rubbish collections and allotments and, <laughs> you know, um, the, the real kind of day-to-day details and stuff. But I suppose your job is to make that stuff accessible to people without obviously the story of that meeting being an alienating one, right? So a lot of people would watch that and go, why would I get involved in that? I'm just going to get shouted at and it's going to be chaotic and and so on so how do you how do you sort of square that circle like what what have you been uh finding is it is is the useful way into telling the positive story of of local government yeah i mean i think that was probably the thing that i was most anxious about um that people would and and the press and the media and everything would just focus on the negative it has not been my experience Mm, um yeah and it's been I think very often journalists get a, a kind of bad press um, for wanting to tell a a, um, a bad story. I can't think of what the word is really, um, rather than a positive one. And again, that hasn't been my experience. My experience has mm. been we've talked a bit about the bad behaviour, sexism, feminism, all those kind of things. And then we've gone on to talk about how important it is that you get involved and change it. Yeah. Um, and whether you're getting involved to change it because the behaviour has offended you or because you think, well, actually, we've got a parish council, but it doesn't seem to do very much here, get involved so it does something. Mm. I mean, as some people have asked me, you know, is it time that we change local government? Should it look like something different? Does it need modernising? No, it just needs using, you know. And do, it, do you it needs... think so? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I, mean, I, certain... I guess my impression is lots of things tend to be very, very slow. And I suppose my observation, um, not having had a huge amount of experience with it, but I've, I've been involved in some meetings, you know, meetings of local councillors down here in Brighton and so on. And I guess my impression is that often it takes, it takes an awful lot of effort expended to get often quite small things done. And it, and it, doesn't necessarily work that efficiently but i don't know if that's is that just to do with is that just a consequence of democracy and you need 
a lot of consensus or like are there are there systematic things that we could change do you think i think there's a couple of things there i think one you're probably talking about district council and when you get to district and county yeah. council level then then you get involved in politics and there's something about politics i think that kind of slow stuff down that's my mm. opinion uh, doesn't yeah. matter what party it is but at local council level town and parish council level few of them are political creatures and okay. they really are about local people coming together with the yeah. ability to raise tax so they've got money to bring these plans that they have into fruition and we're only talking about one parish we're talking about one mm. geographic area so you can really make a difference and you can make a difference <laughs> before you get to 90. Um, <laughs> sometimes they need help with it. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. can they do better? Of course they can. Can we streamline things? Of course we can. But that's really about interpretation, that there's nothing in our legislation that means that this has to take months. Mm, it, yeah. it has to be agreed. Um, democracy, point you made. But it doesn't have to take a small lifetime. Yeah, that's good to know. Um, I suppose the other thing that I wanted to ask you about just on that similar uh, theme is just about how, like the, jo the job that you do day to day. So you're the chief officer of, of Cheshire Association of Local Councils. You don't just deal with Handforth, of course, you deal with you know, a couple of hundred different councils. Um, I'm, guess, I'm guessing that there's, in terms of the age spread of, of the people who get involved in that, like they tend to be, you know, of an older generation. There, there aren't as many younger people engaged. What do you think, what do you think we need to do differently to get, you know, 18-year-olds, 21-year-olds involved in, 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 in that level of, of local government? Okay. Why do we want to engage 18 to 21-year-olds? So that we've got a good spread of people across that represent everybody. But this particular community is full of people who are 70 to 95. Right, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, the trouble is that we, we talk outside about... outside of Handforth, do you, do you, like, is no, that not something that you wasn't, find? I wasn't, that... I wasn't talking about Handforth particularly. Yeah. In fact, Handforth is younger, and if you look at the spread of councillors on Handforth, um, the demographic isn't that bad. Yes, they're older, but they're not okay. 80. Yeah. Um, but we tend to look at, we tend to have this conversation around the council um, that we see in our mind and assume that that's exactly the same in every area. And it's not. Yeah. Some of our councils are wonderfully representative. We have two councils in Cheshire where the mayor of the town was under 21. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, kind of feel like that that box has been ticked in some yeah. councils. But you're absolutely right in that there are certainly areas where the um, the representation of um, different um, bodies within the, mm. um, the parish or town could be improved. But that's about getting involved. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I do do a lot of presentations these days um, to young people. Um, a lot of universities and a lot of schools and colleges. Um, and they, they kind of always um, take it from the position of the council should want to come and get me. Mm -hmm. And I offer, yeah. well, go get them. Yeah. You know, yeah. how does the council... That's life, right? I mean, that's yeah. anything in life. 
Yeah. yeah. How does the council know you're interested? How does the council know what you've got to offer? Over the years, we've tried a number of initiatives across the country to try and encourage young people to get involved. Um, so we have the youth parliament. A lot of councils created youth councils. And all that happened was that we ended up with youth councils that looked like mini-me's. <laughs> now, yeah. that's not all of them. I'm sure some of them were extremely representative. But some that I know were kind of like older people in young clothes. <laughs> so engaging with young people is difficult. Yeah. And actually, some of it needs to come from the young people. Yeah. Is there a nut? Is, so I guess people have asked you before about getting young people involved is there another group that you think is really underrepresented like are people my age just working and therefore too busy or is there real problems with you know black people getting involved or like you know are, are there other groups that do you feel like are more underrepresented um i think we have the same underrepresentation as you would talk about in the rest of the country yeah. um one of the things that you you may be aware of is that on the 7th of may um we note the coronavirus regulations um, come to an end and it means that we no longer have the ability to hold virtual meetings right um and we found that over this last year one of the positives out of covid has been um that actually we're beginning to see greater involvement by more people in local council meetings because of the accessibility mm. and one of the issues for for young people like yourself, although not in the 18 to 21 oh, bracket. I, I wouldn't put myself in the young bracket, personally. But it's <laughs> still young to me, Graham, um, is that you do work. Um, and constantly, you know, not only do you work, but you might also have care um, commitments at one, one end of the scale or the other. Yeah. So being able to participate in virtual meetings, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, and so that it's interesting, isn't it, how some of those things that become, they start out as as everyone views them as poor substitutes, but actually a lot of these things end up having real benefits to them and, and you know, side effects that we want to try and hold on to in, in some yeah. way. Um, let's talk a bit more about meetings then. Um, you were really kind enough to give an endorsement for my book with Hayley Watts, How to Fix Meetings. And so, yeah, just want to say thank you for, um, for, for doing that. And I, I feel like getting an endorsement on a book about how to run meetings from, from the Jackie Weaver. I mean, you know, like I've, I've, I feel pretty honoured. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, let's just talk about You've obviously seen a lot of meetings. I'd love to um, just hear some thoughts from you on what you think makes a good meeting. I, I guess for me, uh, and, and I come from a particular place um, over meetings, for me, meetings are about making decisions. Um, my frustration um, with some council meetings is they're often viewed as an opportunity for an exchange of information. Mm. Um, and I guess that there has to be some information sharing, of course, because you need something on which to base your decision. Um, and you need some information sharing because it's kind of like a... Um, a fabulous kind of like glue that puts us together that forms a relationship yeah but after that it's it's kind of like you know why are we here this is not a social event let's get these decisions taken so we can move forward so that decisions of the council can happen without it taking four years to come to fruition yeah because it's that lack of decision making 
that takes those um, issues for years to be resolved. They don't need to be. Yeah. And I find that, you know, when I talk to some of our clients in businesses as well, there's definitely a sense that meetings often start without a clear vision of how do we know when we're finished, right? Yes. Like what's the end point here? What are yeah. we trying to, like you say, what are we trying to decide? Because, you know, ultimately you want to come away with something that is, you know, a, like a tangible outcome that is better than what you had at the start, right? But often if it get if people get just sucked into information sharing and you know and 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 debating but without reaching a conclusion it it kind of feels to me like a lot of that could have just been done on email back at people's desks right absolutely rather than being in a meeting um let's talk about difficult people so one of the things on the viral video obviously was and maybe this is a benefit of zoom is that you could press the uh you know the eject button and people could be in the meeting room if you were in a meeting where it wasn't on Zoom and it was it was in the you know the local town hall or, or or something like that. Obviously, those people would still be in the room. So, what I'd love to hear about is how over the years, how do you deal with difficult people, you know, in the room, and what are some of the tactics and strategies that people can, can kind of kind of adopt to deal with difficult people. In the case of Handforth, um, I I knew that they would be difficult. Um, and I wouldn't have done a face-to-face meeting with them without the PCSA present. <laughs> it, yeah. It's certainly um, an option um, if you mm. uh, if you think that a council meeting is going to be really disruptive, um, yeah. because you want to make sure that people are safe. And if yeah. your PCSO isn't there, then if you can't get them to leave, then you leave, because mm. your safety is more important than anything else. How I deal with difficult people depends on how many of them are difficult. <laughs> I guess one of the most um, challenging ones would be where there were there were actually two factions in the council, quite a big council, yeah. so about 18 councillors. Um, and it was impossible to even set the ground rules. Um, so in the end, I made them sit one side of the table and the other sit on the other side of the table and then decided on which side of the table we would, would talk or could talk back at any one time not allowed wow. to talk to each other hmm. wow that was a hard night <laughs> and do you feel like you know if you've got if you've got one difficult person is is it more about how to you know bring people back to the purpose of the meeting or bring people back to the ground rules or something as a way of as a way of you know kind of shutting down that person's yeah. behavior is that is that something that you'd look to do uh, I um, teach chairmanship um, as part mm. of our um, uh, training program for local councillors because I think often meetings are unsuccessful because of poor chairmanship. Mm. And for me, it's about not, first of all, understanding why that person's difficult. I mean, often, you know, when you get to the bottom of it, the, the person is difficult because they don't agree with you. Okay, that's not difficult. That's someone who doesn't agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. um, but if if literally you can't shut them up, um, then you know why don't you agree as a group beforehand how you are going to manage this meeting? Mm. You know, it's like when you're doing a training session and you you know you start off with a, a group of people and you know it's going to be something like planning. Local councils love planning, 
So we're going to do a pl training planning session. Um, and this, this, this is down for two hours and has the potential to be 17 hours with no break. So we start off with, look, you know, do you, do you want to go home at four o'clock today or do you want to spend the night here? What's mm. your choice? Yeah. Okay. And keep reinforcing the message over and over through this session. Till in effect, what happens is the other people start to join in. So yeah. they'll start to self-regulate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that message of what it is that you're trying to achieve has to be pushed over and over again. Yeah, it, it sort of brings me back to one of the things that's in my book, which is um, the idea of the 40-20-40 principle. So focusing 40% of your attention on what happens before the meeting, 20% yeah. on the meeting itself, and then 40% on the follow through. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I really learned from, from a guy called Martin Farrell, who um, was one of my trustees when I ran a charity, and he's a, a facilitator who does a lot of work with the UN and Fair Trade Foundation and, and various uh, different bodies like that. But the amount of the amount of pre conversations that he would have, particularly with people that he knew had strong opinions or might be difficult, to just kind of ascertain, okay, what do you want to get out of this? What's the you know, and just do all that work beforehand, so that by the time you get into the meeting, you've already either smooth the way a little bit because those people feel listened to, or yeah. you've got a really good sense of where it might go, where it's probably not going to go. And, you know, and it just kind of reduces the number of surprises. And, and that really has stuck with me as a way to, to think about some of those bigger meetings that, that I have, if I'm facilitating or chairing something, it's like, you know, being able to just like lay that groundwork and, and, and preparation with, with the difficult people beforehand as well. I mean, I guess that takes me back to um, Handforth, not in a PTSD kind of way, but um, <laughs> I guess um, one of the things people often ask me is how did I manage to stay calm? Mm. Um, and for me, that was about being very focused on what I was trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, and I only had one thing I was trying to achieve that night, and that was to make the meeting happen. Mm. Um, so for me, um, focus was easy. Um, because you know everything else was was really just noise. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, do you have any other what it, What are the other tips and tricks you've learned over the years for just managing meetings in general? I, I mean, sometimes that it's the really mundane stuff that makes the biggest difference. Like you know, shuffling the chairs. Have you noticed how councillors, in particular, although to be honest, it also happens in church everyone has their own seat and mm, help yeah. you if you sit in somebody's yeah. seat what's that about let's move that round mm. because they're too comfortable sat where they are yeah and they've already positioned themselves so that they've got they know where their allies are they know where the challenges are well let's make them feel a little bit more a little less comfortable than they do mm. the other thing is often you have a council meeting in a horseshoe so many of the councillors are sat with their back towards the public. That doesn't work. Mm. No. So change the way in which you've got yeah. your, your seats laid out. Um, and, you know, insist. It's your year of chairmanship. You can shuffle the chairs if you want to. Yeah. Yeah, I did a training once about, about chairing meetings and the exercise that always really stuck with me, and it kind of ended up in the book, actually, was... Um, 
this exercise where we okay so we we started out with a table and a boardroom and we just all sat down and it was like how does this feel and then we did it where everyone was in like theater style with someone at the front and then we did it where everyone was in a horseshoe and then we did it at the end where everyone was in a circle with no table and it and it suddenly felt like you know a meeting of alcoholics anonymous or a counseling group or something and it's like just the just the different dynamics and no one had spoken at this point just the different dynamics of what what does that experience feel like to walk into a room you know yep. in in that way makes a huge difference which again comes back to the, the the sort of preparation thing right it's like thinking those kind of things through about where the public are going to sit or whether people are going to be in factions and all of that like if you can think that through and align it to your purpose then yeah you you set the mundanities up to serve your purpose they're actually yep. They're, they're subtle and actually not that mundane at that point, right? They're actually playing a role. Cool. Yeah. Um, before we move on from um, meetings and handforth, has has it sort of been resolved now? So, like, are are, are those people all talking to each other? Is it all? Is it still in a a state of uh, of, of conflict? Can can you even say that? I don't know. I don't know what I'm allowed to ask you on that. I, yeah, I mean, it, you you can ask. I'll I'll tell you what I know. Um, <laughs> Certainly in time, in terms of, um, you know, ha- have we been in touch? Um, then no, um, I, I don't um, expect the three councillors to get in touch with me at all. The chairman um, is determined to, um, to clear his name with the world. Um, mm. He's produced his own video um, that explains all the reasons why he just wanted oh. to get across a simple message that the meeting was unlawful. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think he gets kind of like the, the bigger picture, but but there we go. Um, mm. And yeah, um, certainly Alan's iPad, um, I'm sure, remains completely um, unrepentant. <laughs> the um, the chairman of personnel, Barry T- uh, Councillor Burkle, had a motion of no confidence um, proposed um, because he's also the borough council cl- um, mayor. Okay, um, and that's gone into um, the system to be investigated. Um, but all three councillors are under investigation for for previous behaviour. Right. Okay. And the outcome hasn't been decided yet. Okay. So uh, yeah, pro- probably that's uh, that's that's enough to say on on that one. Then. Except um, that the the video evidence is quite damning. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so just over the last few weeks, obviously, you've you've embraced this opportunity and I think you've done a great job of, of just bringing to, you know, more public view, just the whole idea of, of getting involved. And I think that's a really inspiring uh, message. I remember a while ago having um, two friends of mine who were debating politics from sort of opposite sides of the political spectrum and at the end one of them said well yeah that's what we think about it but like i'm i've just stood to be a counselor like what are you actually doing about all this you know i think there's something about your message of just well take action don't let them find you just go you know go, go out there and, and 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 find what you want to help with i think that's a really inspiring message um do you think there's been so that's been you know a real upside of i, I guess this whole thing do you think there's been any downsides for you personally um, just over the last few weeks. Yeah, I haven't had a weekend off in ages. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or an evening, actually, for that matter. Or an evening, um, yeah. Yes. So it's been just relentless for, you know, yep. since, since that explosion in February. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the trouble is so much of it is just stuff you really want to do. Um, mm. But it's like, I, I guess for me, one frustration is that, that, that each kind of organisation doesn't have a central body that you can talk to. So if you want to talk to Young Labour, mm-hmm. you have to talk to Young Labour, north, south, east, west, in the middle, on the edges, um, young female Labour. Um, I'm sure there must be a young male Labour somewhere. You know, it, it's, it seems very fragmented from the outside. Right. The same is true of the other parties. I'm not singling Labour out in, in particular. So it means that you, you've got to just keep doing the same message over and over again. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's, I guess, kind of frustrating. Um, it's, you know, it would be great if there was kind of like one place that you could go and, and, and talk um, and, and have a kind of conversation with people in that way. Yeah, or, you know, whether you could have a have a, a huge, uh, you know, sort of conference on this stuff where everyone can just come together at the same time rather yeah. than you have to, to talk yeah. to lots of lots of smaller groups. So work-life balance has been an issue, which is one of the things we talk about a lot um, here on Beyond Busy. So um, this might be totally the wrong time to ask you this, but how do you how do you kind of switch off and just stay sane and stay grounded in amongst all of this? Who says I do any of those things? <laughs> That's why I said it might be the wrong time to ask if you've not had a weekend and, and so on. Um, grounding comes from work for me. Um, mm, so okay. that um, as well as all the, um, the stuff like I'm doing with yourself today, Graham, um, as well as that, I have all the, um, you know, the, the natural work stuff. Um, and in, in Cheshire, it's a bit like family. So, mm. you know, family are never impressed by you. Okay. <laughs> so you're just, you're just mum, you know. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's kind of like Cheshire. Um, so that, you know, I, I'm with family um, and they, you know, yeah. we have all the normal work that we do. So I'll go from perhaps talking to you to doing two hours chairmanship training mm. um, with a group of councillors from, from Cheshire. So I guess that's very grounding. Um, and so it hasn't affected when you're doing those trainings as you would have done before this thing went viral. It hasn't affected that kind of work. So you're not now we're having training with the famous Jackie Weaver. Like, do nope. you think it sort of affects the... Not, sort of at, not the at all. Vibe at all? No. Nope. A, a couple of people, um, you know, do the... Uh, but often it'll be me that picked it up, you know, say something like, yeah, we're going to get out the standing orders. Yeah, you've read them and understood <laughs> them. You know, the usual <laughs> things. I find sometimes it's better to just hit it myself than it is to wait for them to. Because right. I know that, I know yeah. that somebody's going to say it. Um, but no, I'm still just Jackie here. Nice. Um, and you mentioned something at the beginning that I thought, oh, I need to need to log that one and come back to it, which was your your management of emails. Because the yes. other thing we talk about a lot on Beyond Busy is productivity, which is obviously my background too. So what's your approach to to email? And then what's your approach just generally to productivity and getting stuff done? Um. Two months, three months ago, my approach to emails were, would be that if you had any left in your intray at the end of the day, it's a failure. Yes. Love that answer. <laughs> Since then. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going <laughs> to... It, it's... 
it's been incredible for for me. Yeah. I mean, you know, because that for me is a huge challenge because I have to let that go. I have yeah. to let it go um, because I am just never getting to the end of my inbox. Mm. How many do you get a day right now? 150. Okay. You just you just need uh, some productivity ninja hacking skills. <laughs> and of course the trouble is some of them for work as in yeah. day job work yeah. um, and some interesting so um, I've, I now just look at the new ones um, and then just leave a few in the inbox at the bottom and file yeah. the rest okay. <laughs> you can hear so, the guilt in my voice <laughs> but my sense is you're going to get back to the, the full on inbox zero right that's you're going to return to it. I I don't like um, stuff undone. Yeah. Um, a yeah. colleague at work. I mean, this is sounds so so pathetic. My colleague at work has a very messy desktop. I mean, screen. And any time I have to use her machine, it's all I can do not to tidy it up for her. Right. Yeah, but I, I respect the boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it alone. And then in just, your in your mind, yeah. you're you know you're moving everything yeah. around. You see, if you just put that over yeah. there and that there and that there, move that yeah. Yeah, sorted. <laughs> and nice. my desktop had got really messy, um, like had probably about fifty files on it. Um, so I filed them all, and I felt better about it because yeah. it's now a clear, as is my desk, always clear. Completion and clarity. It's one of those things I talk a lot to people about multitasking and how multitasking is it's a bit of a myth and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a misnomer because you know you can you can do something physical and think about something but you can't really think about two things at the same time no so if you're involved in two different you know work projects that involve thinking what you're really doing is just refocusing from one thing to another really quickly and getting distracted and what i often find is when people have got you know, 50 different things on their desktop. The reason it feels really nice when you clear that stuff up is because suddenly you, you've got all that, that attention to be able to focus again. You know, you can monotask, you can focus on one thing and, you know, just clearing up some of those things on the periphery. Um, it's a bit like what we were talking about before with the, the, the small things can be the big things. You know, sometimes when you do that little bit of, of kind of clearing up, it just adds so much power to the one thing that you really do want to focus on. I'm also a big list maker. I don't mean the lists are necessarily big, but for me, there's something quite, and I prefer to write them by hand. Yeah. So I like to write a list of things that I want to achieve today. And then I always make sure that I've got something on there that I can do. Nice. Yeah. Because so getting I mean, some con- a tick. Well, I like a tick. Yes. Ticking things off. Um, so it sounds like control is a, a really important thing with that like you want to feel like you're managing stuff and that you've got you know good grounding on what you're working on yeah but it, it's kind of also my head is very busy mm. um yeah. and i i can feel overload um and when i when i feel that um when i feel that i'm no longer really able to capture what it is that i'm thinking about that's when i start to write it down yeah because I do get overwhelmed. Um, 
And it's, I, I don't find that a comfortable place to be at all. It feels out of control. Yeah, for sure. And it's one of those really easy things that people can do is if you're ever just feeling stressed and overwhelmed, just get everything out of your head, you know, just write it all down, just start to make sense of it. And just I think everything just feels better once you do that. Um, is there anything else that's your, uh, any, any kind of little Jackie Weaver secrets to productivity? Oh, golly. Not, not really. I mean, I, I just, I find that I'm very kind of focused on, oh, I know I, I do. Um, I put things off. Until <laughs> until they're important. <laughs> the, the standard joke used to be yeah. at work, we had a monthly newsletter, and I hated doing the newsletter. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It wasn't hard. It wasn't particularly time-consuming. I just had it in my mind I hated doing it. So I would always put myself under pressure at the end of the month to do this newsletter. Yeah. It was never late. But only when it was, oh, my God, it's going to be done tomorrow, could I persuade myself to actually start typing something. I don't know why. I still haven't worked that out. So the trick is leave things until the last minute and then you get the momentum of extrinsic motivation, right? Like the, the need to make sure it's done for the I guess there's some sort of... Um, if there's no deadline for me, I'll, I'll fill in with other things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do find it incredibly difficult to say no. Yeah. Um, I guess that must have been particularly interesting in the last few weeks where you've had so many requests to do so many things. Have Have you changed how you... Have you developed, like, some criteria for how you evaluate the things that you say yes to or, you know, sort of... Or, or criteria for what you're going to say no to? Yes. Um, so if, if I can't see a link to um, what I think is my, my message, then I'll say no. I'll say thank mm. you. Yeah. But no. Um, I mean, one was I was asked to go on a game show. I better not tell you which one it was. It wasn't Strictly. It wasn't Strictly. Um, and, you know, I was thinking, why would why would you think I would want to do this? <laughs> you, you might want me to give up a month. Why? A month? Mm. Oh, so it was like a reality show type mm. thing. Ah, okay. And, you, and uh, was there any temptation? Did it take you long to formulate a no? Well, only to as long as it could breathe. You know, go, like one <laughs> breath in and no. Or, or I, That's not strictly true. I was listening because I was thinking, what am I missing here? Mm, you know when something okay. seems incredibly obvious? Yeah. And you think, I better just have another quick look at this because I, I might be missing something. Yeah. I wasn't. So you, so you didn't do that one. Um, no. I did see on the BBC they were saying... Uh, you were going to meet Anton Debeck. Oh, yeah. And then they were, they were asking you if you would participate in Strictly if you were no, asked. No. So you wouldn't. No. Even though you love the show, wouldn't that be like the, the, <sighs> the, the perk of all of this is that you get to sort of live out the, the dream of being on Strictly, no? Um, I'm not sure that being on Strictly would be my dream. <laughs> now, Star Trek, that would be a different matter. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, 
I really like Anton, as in the persona. I don't know him, I, the persona mm. on the telly. Um, and I'd love to see him win and then settle down and be a judge. Um, <laughs> he would not win strictly with me. <laughs> so it's a, ser- it's a service to Anton Debate yes, that you don't do strictly. It is. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we've just got a couple more minutes before we um, wrap up. So I obviously we have to finish this by uh, uh, me asking to read the standing orders and then uh, we're going to make it look like you hang up on me. So um, so before so before we do that. Um, yeah, Jackie, I just want to say thank you so much for being on Beyond Busy. Um, You're welcome. Where can people usually I ask people where can people find out more about you but it sounds like part of your message here is also about uh like instigating a bit of curiosity amongst people about being involved in local councils and and you know and and getting involved in local democracy so maybe you can just tell people where they can find out more about you but also is there anywhere else that you want to point people that you think might be valuable think why anybody would want to find out more about me but <laughs> i guess twitter would be a good place um, and then you can see my husband and the dogs yeah and the garden um and one or two other things that i hope would be interesting so you'll, you'll find me nice. there at, uh, at jackie weaver nice and easy Great. and you've become a lot more engaged in twitter since yes since Rogue, right? absolutely yeah. Um, because it, it's just such, well, for me, it's, it, it's just such an easy and helpful way of doing yeah. two things. One, one kind of getting the message out there because the message comes from an awful lot more people than me. I'm just able to, to push it out there, but also for gauging people's opinions. That's kind of helpful because just as I said earlier, when I found myself revisiting how I felt about, um, you know, um, women in job situations, um, it makes me wonder if there are other things I need to challenge in my head as well. Mm. So it's quite a useful place for me to do that. But if you're interested in knowing more about um, local government at town and parish council level, then check out NALC, that's NALC.gov.uk. NALC.gov.uk. That's it. Great. Obviously, Jackie Weavers, you need to read the standing orders, read them and understand them. There's no passion there at all, Graham. Do you want me to do that again? <laughs> You've got a I long way like to I'm go. I'm not someone that I, I'm not someone that would ever shout in a meeting. So come it's on, really channel hard it, Graham. Channel right, it. Let, let me do. It. Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. She's just kicked him out. I, 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 just, no, she's kicked him out. Don't, don't. She's kicked him out. <laughs>